from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Ending the week. Lots to do. Have some fun tonight. We've got four, count them, four crazy towns tonight. Any with Biden in it? Yes. We have Biden covered. <laughs> we have Kamala Harris covered. Oh, I we see. have, um, we're going to revisit an old crazy town that's going to go along with my crazy town, which has Chuck Schumer starring in it. So we've got all kinds of fun stuff to do tonight. Paul Nolan's going to be here with the news. Uh, how was your day? It was nice. It's got some errands done. Finally got some rain here in the Northeast. We needed it. And then that Looks like we're going to get a lot of it over the next five days. Yeah, we haven't had it in, what, 25 days now? We haven't had rain? Yeah. Nice. Uh, Rick Delgado's here with a what even is that tonight on a Friday night. What's your what even is that about tonight? Uh, well, personally, I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. Um <laughs> No. Is that funny, uh, Emirati? You think that's funny? Yeah, it sounds like my line. <laughs> Actually, it has to do with, uh, it, 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 it was inspired by the 60 Minutes report from last Sunday that we talked about the other day. Okay. Very good. Rick Emirati's here with sports, although I may skip sports tonight. No. Um, how are, first of all, how are you? I'm wonderful, Big D. How are you tonight? You don't give a damn how I am. Of What's course I in, do. Okay, good. I'm fine. What's coming up in sports? Well, we're going to have NBA playoff scores. We have a big game seven in Vegas tonight. That puck drops at nine. Rodeo report. We're going to talk about the Knicks' new round two vaccine policy. And uh, we're going to also talk about how the Tampa Bay Lightning staff is really cracking down on their opponent jersey policy in their arena. So we got a loaded pack sports report. Tonight. Yeah, you have uh, sports is uh, going to be crazy town tonight because yes. I know some of those stories and that that's that's crazy town stuff right there. Yep, man, oh man, what's going on in this country? Um, Same. Well, so I'm going to start with the I guess the story of the day, and I'm going to get right to the video here because I want you to listen to it, and I want you to tell me what what you hear. I want you to tell me what you hear. This is cut 44, G, and I'll give you a little bit. I'll start with Matt Margolis um, in PJ Media. As he titles it, Bombshell. Fauci pushed for gain-of-function research in 2012, said it was worth the risk of the pandemic. Dr. Anthony Fauci, or as I call him, the Stormy Daniels of epidemiology, um... Medical advisor to Joe Biden defended controversial gain-of-function research in 2012 and said the research was worth the risk of a pandemic. So instead of me reading the article, I want you to hear it directly from Fauci because I believe this is the video that's up for discussion. Rolichi. Thank you for the opportunity to testify today on the NIH mission of performing biomedical research for the purpose of preparing for and responding to naturally emerging and re-emerging infectious diseases and the relationship of this type of research to biological security. As you mentioned in your statement, the issue at hand is the ongoing threat of the emergence of an H5N1 pandemic influenza and the research that was supported by the NIH to address this threat. The conduct and publication of the results of such research in the form of the two manuscripts that you mentioned has focused considerable public attention on the issue of dual-use research namely research that is directed at providing new information critical to the public health, but at the same time has the potential for malevolent applications. Okay, stop. My written testimony... You you need to listen to what he says. That's one sentence right there. He says that through... There's certain things in here that you listen... Think about what we've gone through for the last year and a half as you listen to this. 
There's certain phrases you're going to hear. There's certain things he talks about that you're going to sound like it sounds awfully familiar to what we just went through. So pay attention to everything he says. Go. Testimony is submitted for the record. And in my few minutes of time, I will highlight just a few important aspects of this issue. First, the public health challenge. Seasonal influenza is an ongoing threat to public health worldwide and is among the leading global causes of death due to infectious diseases. Each year, influenza causes more than 200,000 hospitalizations and up to 49,000 deaths in the United States and up to a half a million deaths globally. Yet influenza has animal reservoirs, especially in birds, and these viruses can undergo extensive genetic changes and jump species resulting in an influenza virus to which humans are highly vulnerable. Such an event can, and historically has, led to global disasters, such as the one you mentioned, the prime example being the 1918 global influenza pandemic that killed up to 100 million people worldwide and caused enormous social and economic disruption. There is a clear and present danger that we will have another pandemic since these viruses continue to circulate in the world and are constantly evolving towards pandemic capability as we have seen in 1957, 68, and 2009. Over the last decade, a highly pathogenic H5N1 influenza has emerged among chickens. Rarely, the virus spreads to humans. Since 2003, approximately 600 confirmed cases have occurred in humans in more than a dozen countries shown in red on this poster. Nearly 60% of those reported cases have resulted in death. Should the virus mutate to transmit more efficiently to and among people, a widespread influenza pandemic could ensue. Indeed, nature itself is the most dangerous bioterrorist. And even as we meet today, H5N1 and other influenza viruses are naturally mutating and changing with the potential of a catastrophic pandemic. This is not a theoretical danger. It is a real danger. For decades, NIH has supported basic influenza research included on transmissibility, host adaptation, and virulence. The goal is to anticipate what the virus is continually trying to do on its own in the wild and to prepare for it. Such goals were pursued by the NIH-funded scientists Kawaioka and Fouché and could have important positive implications for pandemic influenza prediction, prevention, diagnosis, and treatment. Kawaioka and Fouché constructed variants of H5N1 avian influenza in order to identify which genetic mutations might alter the transmissibility of the virus. Okay, stop. In their study... Okay, that is very important. When he continues to talk about increased transmissibility, that's what we want to pay attention to. What he just... Roll it back just a little bit, G. And listen, because this is the research that we're talking about. This... Could he, is he describing exactly what happened in that lab? That's the question here. Go ahead. Transmissibility of the virus. In their studies, they employed a standard influenza animal model, namely the ferret. This slide shows the basic design of the experiments in which the virus was modified to allow for aerosol transmission from one ferret to another. Okay, stop. That's the, point that sentence is the whole thing. That sentence is the whole, the key to the whole thing. Roll it back. 
far enough to hear that whole thing again. Did, did is, is what he describes right here, is this what happened in Wuhan? Go ahead. Five N1 avian influenza in order to identify which genetic mutations might alter the transmissibility of the virus. In their studies, they employed a standard influenza animal model, namely the ferret. This slide shows the basic design of the experiments in which the virus was modified to allow for aerosol transmission from one ferret to another. I might point out that one of the causes of the public misunderstanding was the widespread belief that the virus that was transmitted by aerosol from one ferret to another actually killed the ferrets, when in fact that was not the case. We feel that these studies provide critical information and it was important to determine if H5N1 virus that has this enhanced transmissibility would remain sensitive to existing anti-influenza drugs and vaccines. In addition, and importantly, knowledge of the genetic mutations that facilitate transmission may be critical for global surveillance of emerging influenza viruses. Yet, since transmissibility of a virulence virus was increased, this constitutes dual-use research of concern, or DERC, which is shown on this poster. If a particular research experiment is identified as DERC, that designation does not necessarily mean that such research should not be published, nor should it even be prohibited in the first place. However, it does call for us, as you mentioned, to balance carefully the benefit of the research to the public health, the biosafety and biosecurity conditions under which the research is conducted, and the potential risk that the knowledge gained from such research might fall into the hands of those with ill intent. Okay. <laughs> so that's what he testified in 2012. So back to Matt Margolis's piece here. Um, it's, they've also now uncovered certain writings of his. Quote, in an unlikely but conceivable turn of events, what if that scientist becomes infected with the virus, which leads to an outbreak and ultimately triggers a pandemic, Fauci wrote in an article in the American Society for Microbiology in October 2012, which was first reported by the Australian. Uh, quote, scientists working in this field might say, as indeed I have said, that the benefits of such experiments and the resulting knowledge outweigh the risks. So doing the research, in his opinion, back in 2012, outweighed the risk of exactly what we've gone through here for the last year and a half, a an outbreak in a pandemic. Gain-of-function research involves extracting natural virus samples from animals and engineering them to infect humans for the development of therapeutics and vaccines. This stunning revelation comes on the heels of researchers raising new questions about the origins of the COVID-19 virus. It also comes after Dr. Fauci's recent, admissage, uh, recent admission that the NIH sent $600,000 to the Wuhan Institute of Virology for research into the transmissibility of bat coronaviruses to humans. And his concession that COVID-19 may, uh, may not have been naturally occurring after insisting over a year that it was. Earlier this week, uh, Facebook, which I told you about, 
Um, gain-of-function research is not only controversial, but two years after Fauci defended it, the U.S. government banned the practice on account of it being too dangerous. So the question here is, in this testimony that you just heard that I found today, does that not sound... Does, I mean, what does that sound like? <laughs> busted. He's been busted. But he's got the media running cover for him. That's a, that sounds like uh, evil scientist kind of stuff that they did in Jurassic Park. You know, when, when uh, what's his, uh, Dr. McCallum or Dr. Ian or whatever his name was, said your scientists were too preoccupied trying to figure out if they could. They didn't stop and think if they should. And that's exactly what happened because what happened? The dinosaurs got loose and ate everybody. Well, listen, this was... This was to make a lot more money than to make it in Jurassic Park or even that movie that did $100 million in the box office. This is a trillion-dollar win for the, for the pharmaceutical business. Pharmaceutical, yeah. I mean, as you see him, see him continue to talk about increased transmissibility of a, of a virus, I mean, is that, exactly, is that not exactly what happened here? Yeah, we, they made the perfect virus that clings to the cells. Mm. A lot more on this tonight. Plus news, sports, what even is that? Lots to do, four crazy towns. Glad you're in on a Friday night. We'll have some fun tonight, wrap up the week, and have a great Memorial Day weekend. And we'll, of course, keep in mind what that what that day represents. All we get back. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Um, for all the emails rolling in asking me to share that video, I will post it on our social media uh, at facebook.com slash LFS6B. And over at Twitter, Twitter uh, slash uh, at LFS6B is our Twitter handle. So make sure you follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. We're also obviously on YouTube, Parlor, Rumble, uh, all of that you can follow us as well, but I will post this. It's out there. You just have to go look for it. And, and it's, it's what made me look for it was this article in Red State by um, uh, Scott Hounsel, who's been doing all, all kinds of work uncovering a lot of this Fauci stuff. And he's the one who uh, I read and said this congressional testimony of April 2012 in front of the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs to testify about the use of DURC, which you just heard him talk about, gain-of-function research, and balancing the risks and concerns. Uh, Fauci led by emphasizing his agency's efforts to develop a universal influenza vaccine that would potentially save millions of lives. And he goes on, as, as I just played for you. So, And then the point of, of this Red State article, which, in, by the way, is entitled The Gun Smoketh After More Dr. Fauci Comments Are Unearthed, regarding gain of function here he's mr hounsel says let's just start by noting that this is yet more evidence that anthony fauci's expertise in two dollars will maybe buy you a coke this guy has been wrong his entire career about varying topics and he somehow still managed to become a worship cult figure and a lead government advisor on infectious disease he was wrong about masks he was wrong about herd immunity he was wrong about the efficacy of the vaccines he was wrong about schools he was wrong about how the virus transmits how transmittable it is now we find out he was likely wrong about the dangers of gains of function research you get the point this is a deeply unimpressive figure 
regardless, the meat and potatoes here is that Fauci was once again defending gain-of-function research later in 2012 at the same time the U.S. government was sending grants to the Wuhan lab in question. And Paul Nolan, you were watching, I guess, who was that, Ben Swan? Ben Swan, yeah. And he was saying the money has been funneled through dummy corporations? Yeah, it's been going on since, uh, really, from since 2012, 2014, uh, and they showed as much as $60 million, according to the documents that he was showing in his report. And if you guys haven't checked out uh, Ben Swan, <clears throat> he's as good as it gets. Ben Swan at ICE Media, I-S-E dot media. So checking out Scott Hounsel says, what does all of this when put together? What does it tell you? It tells you that Fauci almost certainly knew uh, what the money was going towards, given he would have been responsible for overseeing the grant. The fact that he chose to make gain of function research an issue and then defend it on video in 2012 also points to the idea that he absolutely knew what was going on and he was even wrong about gain-of-function research. All of those benefits he described in op-eds and in the video I showed you before Congress never came to fruition. When we needed them the most, they never came. When the coronavirus was unleashed on the world in late 2019. All of this is in stark contrast to the lies he told Rand Paul. Trying to paint the center as a conspiracy theorist when he pressed Fauci on why the money was sent to the Wuhan lab. Since that original exchange, we've seen a sea change in the public discourse surrounding the lab leak theory as the mainstream media and their big tech allies have, re- have realized they can't suppress this story anymore. And if I had a guess, I'd say this video that I'm showing you tonight for the first time is going to start to get around. Not because we're showing it, because somebody is going to put two and two together and go out there and find it and post it as well. And I'll post it, you know, tonight. But if you guys remember, there was so much damning evidence in Plandemic 2. There was there was endless amounts of source documentation in that in that documentary. And it was done as well as it could be done, but it was vilified everywhere. It was laughed at. It was scoffed at. And it was completely blanketed. I mean, to me, there's another example of just suppressing the truth is, is, is just so overwhelming now and even i begged you to watch and you're like nah that nick of it's the anti-vaxxer you know you remember saying that and it's it's easy to go with the flow when everyone's saying the same thing well but i don't think people hearing someone online talk about documents if they if they can't number one see them hold them know that where they came from uh, know that they're whatever to me hearing this guy's own words i mean this is his testimony under oath to congress now you tell me you listen to that and that doesn't sound like we've been, what we've been through for the last year and a half. That's identical. I mean, I'll take that over over some somebody telling me, "Oh, we've got documents that." Uh, well, I don't know nothing about them. But it, you, you, he's under oath in front of Congress, talking like and basically describing in 2012. You think he'll get treated like Roger Stone did? Yeah. Nope. I mean, what's going to happen in 2019, 20, and 21 here? To me, that's it's stunning video. Talking about taking this and seeing if, uh, and how we can. Th- that first video is 2012, correct? That testimony yeah. was in 2012. Right. 2012. How many times have I talked about scenarios for the future of technology and international development? The Rockefeller Foundation doc that came out in 2010 that predicted all this would happen in 2012. And it goes through the identical scenarios of what's happened throughout the world only uh, nine years later. 
And it's all, you know, identical gain of function research. It's all about viruses that take over the world. It's all about locking down. It's all about having authoritarian uh, control to stop the spread of it. in places like Southeast Asia and and Africa were completely obliterated because they didn't have the governmental structure to completely control the populace. I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on around here. People made a lot of money off this. That's all I'm saying. No, it's all, you know, you can also look to Hollywood, too. I mean, it's almost like they, they've, they got wind of, hey, what, what's planned? So why don't we have some fun with it? You know, look at all the, look how popular all the zombie movies are. And I know that sounds stupid, but what are zombie movies based on? A virus, right? A virus that, that kills you and then all of a sudden you start eating brains. <laughs> Where's he going with this? But no, sure. what, what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, you know, th- they talk about how the CIA has been planning this stuff. It has been embedded in all these different entities, right? Embedded in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. No Where else would that. they get all this information? Well, look at the further in the movie Red Dawn, the remake. It was supposed to be China was taking over and the Chinese government wouldn't let the studio make it that way. So they had to make it uh, North Korea. Like there's so much control over the intelligence right. agencies and, and and heads of state have over what's made and what's seen. So in the end, um, Mr. Hounsel writes, this is a major ordeal. The truth now must come out. Millions of people have died from coronaviruses throughout the world. If this virus leaked from a Chinese lab after being created with research grants approved by Dr. Anthony Fauci while he was defending gain of research, downplaying the risks, that's the biggest scandal of the decade, and it's not even close. And um, I think about who was the clip we played the other night. I guess it was Rand Paul on with um, David Brody on Water Cooler, and he said, this is, this is not going to shape up to be a, a good forthcoming whatever it is here, month, two months, three months, <laughs> six months, whatever it takes to get this out if we continue to look into it for Dr. Fauci because – Besides his own words right there, his own writings now we see. And there's a lot of other things about this that I, I want to get into tonight. Other, other takes on if we had known some of this, what would have changed? And Jim Garrity in, in National Review says, knowing the virus's origins would have changed a lot if we had been dealt straight here from the beginning. Whether that means Fauci be more upfront and up, you know, forthcoming about what he thought this was, I'll get into a little bit of this. But the origin of this really mattered, and it would have affected a lot of things, and a lot of things probably, but it would have been dealt with a lot differently from Jump Street if we knew what was really going on here. So we'll get into all that. Lots to look at that. Lots of angles to look at this from. But we'll also do some news, some sports. What even is that? Crazy Town. It's all coming up. Minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B. 
sports coming up. What even is that at the top of the hour? Some crazy towns coming up. But right now, let's do some news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, it's good to see uh, Trump fires back at former House Speaker Ryan, calls him the curse to the Republican Party. Uh, Former President Donald Trump on Friday responded to a recent speech by former House Speaker Paul Ryan in which he implied Trump's brand of politics was ruinous for Republicans and he's calling Ryan the curse of the party. Ryan has been the curse of the Republican Party. Um, He has no clue what needs to be done for our country, was a weak and ineffective leader, spends all his time fighting Republicans as opposed to Democrats who are destroying our country. Criticism follows Ryan, a Wisconsin Republican, giving a speech Thursday at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California, in which he argued the Republican Party would flounder if it continues to depend on the populist politics of one person, though he didn't mention the former president by name. Ryan said, if the conservative cause depends on the populist appeal of one personality or on second-rate imitations, we're not going to go anywhere. Which is the... Right out of the Ryan playbook, I suppose. Um, good news here. I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. I'm sure most of the people in the audience have. Facebook whistleblower was on Tucker Carlson, and uh, he said it's highly immoral to censor users with vaccine concerns. Morgan on, uh, the Facebook whistleblower who was suspended uh, after the tech giant uh, caught him leaking internal documents exposing the vaccine hesitancy censorship campaign he appeared on Tucker about the fallout since he uh, he's faced since he's coming out uh, to Project Veritas. Um, he had said that uh, uh, anything that questions the vaccine or the narrative regarding the vaccine, which is, you know, everyone should get the vaccine and the vaccine is good and you're not going to get any bad side effects. Anything outside the realm of basic um, basically considered under vaccine hesitancy by Facebook's algorithms. They're afraid of what people might conclude if they see that other people are having negative side effects, they think that it's going to drive up vaccine hesitancy among the population, and they see that as something that they have to combat. Come on, said he's a data technician who initially came forward anonymously to Project Veritas with leaked documents explaining to Carlson that he had followed his moral compass. So he's really stepped up, and uh, now he's under you know, assault by Facebook. And they are, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but Facebook is scrambling right now saying that this has been a popular, you know, they've let everyone know this is what they're doing and they're doing it for the good of the people. But, um, you know, uh, I just think this added a little discussion. This it's, it's, we saw them do this with every election that was, you know, for a conservative, we saw it, especially against president Trump. Now we're doing it with vaccines. This means their power just keeps growing. And if we, People don't stop using Facebook or at least, you know, going to other outlets. They're going to keep gaining control. And we've become the product worse than we've ever been. And, you know, it's uh, I just like to see people try to move over to other platforms. That's just how I feel. And uh, given your first story about Paul Ryan and given your second story and all of that, it makes me think, well, yeah, when you think about Paul Ryan, what do you think of? You think of weak rhino Republicans. And Mm -hmm. when you think of weak rhino Republicans, you think of the fact that the Republicans could have done something about big tech when they had the stage. But as I've said multiple times on this show, when they get the stage and the light comes on, they fold like a cheap suit. They talk big when when they can't get anything done. Big Tech, 230. As soon as they had all three, where were they? Why didn't they think it done? People like Paul Ryan's why it didn't get done. 
When Republicans were fighting, the only time I can ever remember them fighting for uh, budget caps, who was it that was trying to fight it, work against them? Paul Ryan. I mean, you could just go back through all of these, whether it's budget deals, debt ceilings. This is why I always say about Mitch McConnell, too. He gets his ass kicked by Pelosi and the Democrats. Every damn negotiation he gives in, they raise the debt ceiling. He doesn't get anything for it. He helps create more debt. He creates as much debt uh, as, as Pelosi and Schumer and the Democrats yeah. have over the years. Yeah. His, He's his done whole, nothing to stand in its way. Right. Well, his whole role is to be this pretend controlled opposition. You know, he pretends to be in opposition of it and just acts like he's the voice of the people who don't want this nonsense. Goes right along with it because he's making it, you know, he's getting his beak wet, too. Right. Yeah, that's why it makes me laugh every time you say he gets his butt kicked. That's by design. It's it's not it's not he's in there going, man, I can't believe, you know, who I thought I had him. And man, I'm going to get him this time. You watch. No, it's by design. They're, They're just playing a game. They're just lying to us. (laughs) <laughs> it really is. It goes to our discussion about um, MTG last night, too, and how she um, represents the, a, a wing of the party now, or a, a section, maybe it's a small section, maybe not. Uh, I think it's People who are sick of Paul, people like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell yeah. and, and, and Adam Kinzinger and Mitt Romney and Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, get them out. Get them all out. It's just sick of all of them. That's Just why get I, them out. That's why I was a big proponent, and I, I mentioned this last year when they were doing this. You know, oh, they we're going to negotiate with Pelosi and Schumer, and you know, after they took over the uh, the House, uh, the Democrats took over the House. It's like, all right, you want to negotiate? Do it on live TV. Put them on spotlight. Put them put them right there on the screen so everybody can see what are they actually negotiating for. So you can see the garbage, the nonsense that they push. And, you know, we can all be exposed to it and go, ah, now we get it. Now we know why we're so far in debt, because they keep plowing money into stuff that nobody wants. Remember when Trump brought in Pelosi and Schumer into the, into the Oval Office with the cameras there? Yeah. And tried to force them to talk about it in front of the that, cameras. He, should, he should, should have done more of that and yeah. just say, you know what? Yeah, we are going to negotiate this right here, right now. Turn the cameras on. Let the American people watch how this goes. Boom. Well, speaking of Chuck Schumer, do you have more news, Paul? I mean, there's plenty, but I'll keep going. Well, let's since we're speaking of Chuck Schumer, let's do crazy. Let's do a crazy town here, G. We've got four of them to get to. Well, uh, let's get to mine here. Chuck Schumer out today talking about well his very historic legislation that he is um, the sp- I believe the sponsor of. This is very historic, and you know when Chuck gets behind something, he's got all the details. Wrapped up tight. Roll it. And we came together on a bipartisan basis to advance a historic and wide-reaching piece of legislation, the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act, Mm. the most significant investment in science, technology, and American manufacturing in an entire generation. This is one of the most significant pieces of legislation that's come before the Senate in a very long time. And it's going to have huge effects down the road. Right. It doesn't get the attention it should, I've said, for three reasons. Oh, three reasons. Number one, because it's bipartisan, so there's no fighting. You know, I know you guys like fighting. Number two, um, because it is going to take effect, not immediately, although the chips part will, but 
uh, in general, it won't take effect, but it'll have dramatic effects four, five, ten what? years from now. Oh. And I forgot <laughs> the third years. reason. I had three reasons I said them in my speech. <laughs> you remember? What is it? What? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's positive, <laughs> not negative. Okay, uh. it's a positive piece of legislation. Okay, anyway. We're very proud of it. All right. <laughs> um, so proud. Oh, he's so proud. Yeah, good job. Oh, it's, it's historic. Oh, my God. Three reasons. The one, two. <laughs> what the hell's three? I can't remember. Oh, positive. <laughs> so historic. That's so historic. That so reminds, impactful. That reminds me of Rick Perry. Remember when he said, oh, we're going to eliminate three agencies and he can only name two? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very historic. You know, this is going to have and the second one. I kind of was – the second reason it's so historic is it's going to have great effect, but it's not going to take effect. Right. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> not for it's like going to have such years. an effect. So, yeah. It's going to so, cost a fortune, but it's not going to do a thing. Yeah. Right. Oh. So this reminded me, and I, <laughs> you'll God. all appreciate this, when I was thinking about Chuck and making sure they've got the fa- – he's got the facts of his very historic legislation that he can't forget the third point of the legislation – well, reminded me of some other legislation, possibly, that Chuck didn't quite have all the details on. Let's take a little trip down memory lane. Roll it, uh. G. Cut. For the families of Floyd Taylor <laughs> and George Taylor. Um, Steve, do you think that I can tell George's daughter that his name will be always remembered because always she will remembered. name the bill for him? And I said, well, I'll recommend that to the Judiciary Committee and to the the Congressional Black Caucus who have shaped the bill. But I only will do that if you tell me that this legislation is worthy of George Kirby's name. (laughs) George George Kirby's name. And he said it is. And so we're very proud. Floyd Taylor, a George Taylor. <laughs> We're very proud to carry. That's a nice motion. Yeah. If we could just figure the hell out who the hell George Kirby is, we'll, we'll let it be. It'll be a good bill. Fire That's good, Floyd G. Mayweather. Yeah. So the, these two, when they get, <laughs> Floyd Mayweather, when they get behind something, they get all the details yeah. really just squared That's up. Because they're so passionate about right. what they do. Yeah. You know, they they just so. <laughs> It's such good servants to the people. George Kirby, and then... um, They give it their all. Tonight, he's got three (laughs) reasons. (laughs) Three reasons this legislation is so historic. One, two, and hey, what's the third one there, Jimmy? I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah, Floyd the Barber. So, while we're on the subject, I have a quickie. I just don't know. Chicago mayor calls for all hands on deck to stem summer violence. Uh... Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Social workers are going to be busy out there. Yeah, well, Beetlejuice is at it again. The whole, uh, she says, has unveiled a whole of government safety plan where law enforcement, city services, community organizations work together to stem likely summer crime spike, especially in neighborhoods plagued by gun violence. So it's good to know that the... uh, the mayor is, she's on it, and uh, she's going to really, she's putting everything together after defunding the police. So. Well, you know what, as long as she's, uh, you know, going to be arming the garbage men and, and the social workers and anybody else, the postal workers that she, she sends into these communities, uh, because that's the only thing that's going to give them a give them a shot at, you know, uh, mind the pun there, yeah. uh, of getting through this summer. 
without seeing some more tragedy in terms of the number of murders. It's just as I just read you the other night in that piece from PJ Media: "Suns out, guns out." In um in Chicago, the numbers are astronomical. I mean, this woman, how does she still have a job? I mean, especially after she refuses to speak to a white reporter. Was that, I mean, yeah, refused to speak to any white reporter. Any white reporter. One. But she'll go home to her white wife. Think about how, how crazy this is. Woke in the streets and mm-hmm. oppressed in the sheets. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. What's it up is... with her? How does she get away with this? Well, it's not, it's not too different from the question you ask of how New York um, is still run by the doofus it's run by. Chicago, California, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Uh, we've talked multiple times. If you go up and down the card of representation from California, from Pelosi, San Francisco is a disaster. From Pelosi to Feinstein. To Swalwell, to, um, to Ted back Lou. in the day, Barbara Baxter, yep. Ted Lou. I mean, you could go down the list of the, just, you could rope those people off and charge admission to walk by them. It's like, they're like, you're at the wax museum. These are so strange, all of them. I mean, you, you, you think California would want better representation than that, but I just, I don't know. That's why I'm for Kevin Pathrat. Me, Kevin, come on. <laughs> to the hour live from studio 6b on a friday night glad you're in wrapping up the week getting ready for memorial day weekend we are going to be off on monday i want to remind you of that no show on monday night we will uh, be rerunning probably this show uh on monday so happy memorial day if you're watching on monday we'll be back on tuesday night eight o'clock uh, it's time for sports, and here with that is Rick Amorati. What's going on, pal? PGA still in action right now. Uh, Charles Schwab Challenge down at Colonial Country Club, Fort Worth, Texas. Jordan Spieth is sitting on the 17th hole right now. He has an 11 under two day. He's four under today, looking to finish up. Right now, he leads the pack, as he did last night, so we'll see if that continues. Jason Kokrak right behind, one stroke behind, and Sebastian Munoz, and yesterday's second place finisher, Sergio Garcia, right now uh, are one off, so they're two strokes behind. They have a two-day total of 132. So we'll have a full report, and we'll see if Jordan can make that run, so looking good so far. I'll give you an update on his final in the next sports segment. NBA action right now. Playoffs. Game three in Atlanta. The Hawks lead the Knicks 68-52. Just under seven minutes to go. And uh, MSG darling Trey Young leads all scorers for Atlanta with 16 points right now. So Knicks need to climb back. Otherwise, Atlanta will take a 2-1 game lead. We also had the Nets and the Celtics. That just tipped off a few minutes ago. I'll have an update in the next segment on that. And the Clippers go to Dallas to take on the Mavericks. That's a 9-30 tip. And right now the Mavs uh, are uh, up uh, trailing two games to none to Dallas. So they need that game tonight. 
Actually, no, the Clippers are up. Uh, let's see. Dallas leads the series 2-0, so Clippers need the win tonight. Sorry about that. Uh, Major League Baseball today, final. Cubs over the Reds, 1-0 in Wrigley Field. Bottom of the fourth, Marlins and Red Sox tied at two. The Blue Jays lead the Indians 6-2. That's in the top of the fourth. Bottom of the fifth, Yankees and Tigers tied at one in Detroit. Top of the second, Royals and Twins, nothing-nothing. And there's a rain delay with the Orioles and White Sox in Chicago. Top of the second, Padres and Astros, zip, zip. Angels visit the A's. Cardinals visit the Diamondbacks. Giants out at the Dodgers. And the Rangers to Seattle to take on the Mariners. Those games are all between 940 and 10-10. First pitches. NHL action. Uh, so we got a big one tonight. We got game seven in Vegas. It's the uh, Minnesota Wild taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, the winner of that series will move on to take on the Colorado Avalanche. So that'll be a great series as well. The Islanders tomorrow night take on the Bruins in Boston. TD Garden, 8 p.m. puck drop. Mr. Nolan's getting ready for that one. And uh, Lightning are taking on the Hurricanes as well in a game one. That's a five p.m. Hurricanes with a big win last night. Uh, they pulled it out against Nashville, and uh, that's going to be a great series. All great series. And the Winnipeg Jets are awaiting the winner of that Toronto-Montreal Game 7, which is going to be uh, played tomorrow evening as well. Uh, that'll be at 7 o'clock, that game. So we'll keep an eye on all that. NHL heating up. We'll be down to eight teams by tomorrow night. So keep an eye there. Um, and uh, speaking of NHL, uh, listen to this one. In a stunning reversal, the Tampa Bay Lightning will no longer enforce their stupid policy forbidding fans from wearing non-Lightning gear in premium seats. This is a story that was shared. I think Mr. Nolan shared that with me this morning. Um, this is an ESPN report. The Tampa Bay Lightning will no longer enforce a policy that restricts fans from wearing gear supporting other NHL teams in their premium seats, the team told ESPN on Friday. The policy, which began in 2015, have come under renewed scrutiny after a Florida Panthers fan recorded a viral video that showed two Amelie Arena employees confronting him and his 11-year-old son. They spelled out the options under the policy where the fans could go check in their visiting team gear for non-logo shirts, could continue to wear the jersey in a relocated seat away from the club areas, or could be issued a refund for the tickets. Uh, One of the employees said, if we come back down here, we're getting Tampa Bay Police Department involved because this is our building policy. So one of the ladies was threatening the father that they were going to get the police to come down to handle the kid because he wouldn't take off his Florida Panther jersey. you believe this? Uh, the Lightning said the policy is clearly stated when one purchases a ticket in their premium seating areas and that the team communicates the ticket policy to every fan who purchases the tickets. And uh, it's unbelievable. In the video, the Panthers fan uh, says that a team representative had called him before the game to discuss the policy, and he actually got permission. He said it was okay as long as they didn't go into the private club suite. I just think the whole thing is absolutely... It's ludicrous. Insane. Ludicrous. It's so ludicrous. I watched that video this morning, and I swear to God, I I wanted to call their press office and see if I could get a comment and tell them we were going to report about it on the show. I mean, everybody should be reporting on this. For that, that, That organization should come under such intense scrutiny for this. It is so... Un-American. It's un-American. Un-American. It's unsports, the, it's un-American, it's un-everything. And the best part about it is if people are civilized in the game, and there's a, like we were at the, there were a handful of Penguin fans of the game, and we were joking around, teasing them, having a good time. It's good-natured ribbon. It's fun. You when, can't wear the opposing team's jersey into your I can't, I can't I've never arena. heard that, Big D. I've been a sports fan for almost 50 years. I've never heard of that. 
ever. Well, Dolan, I heard, That's doesn't let you wear I never heard of it. fire Dolan shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, uh, but we couldn't watch that video. We couldn't play it. Do we have the video? What, the Tampa Lightning? Yeah, yeah. I sent it to you. Uh, I didn't do it because their masks had the logos on them. Big D had Tampa Bay Lightning oh, logos. Yeah, good the employees had the pins on, okay. and I stayed away because of the it's licensing. It's infuriating. Yeah. Absolutely infuriating. That, the, because the first security guard was a gentleman. The woman who came over was like a Nazi. Yes. Like, she, she loved her power. It was like a German shepherd puppy with a chew toy. Like, she was so engulfed in her power. And the father called her out on it, too. He said to the one gentleman, he says, you know, you're being nice. And he said to the lady, he says, you, you're, you know, you're being confrontational. And, uh, you know, anyway, that was What really... team is this? Car- that was Tampa Bay? Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay Lightning. So I think a lot of our Carolina Hurricane fans are going to be pulling for them to beat them. And don't forget, Tampa Bay, they're the winning and defending Stanley Cup champions. They have one heck of a team. They well, can't. They can't lose. By enough goals, if they lost every game a hundred to nothing, it wouldn't be enough. Yeah, I gotta tell you, it wouldn't be enough. And meanwhile, the Carolina team is such a fun bunch; like you can't help but love them. And Ed, I hate to jump in your story here, Rick, but did you see the 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 Tampa? uh, What do you call it? uh, Carolina has a really funny Twitter group, and the Nashville Predators blocked them. Because they trolled them a little with a couple goofy, like man-made banners, it was really funny, yeah. and they got and they got blocked by the Tampa, uh, I mean Nashville Predators, unbelievable official Twitter. They can't lose. They can't lose by enough games. I'll never root as hard as I'll root for for whoever's playing them. Well, rumor has it, Big D, Rory McIlroy might be in goal for Tampa Lightning. So. I'll sit. Rory McIlroy can sit on my lap if he roots against them. Well, I got one more. It's going to really get you. I'm going to get, get you on your shoulder. He's such a twerp. Let's, let's bring it back to our good old New York, our, our favorite place, boys. New York Knicks to limit second-round playoff tickets to vaccinated fans if team advances. This is an AP report. The New York Knicks will sell tickets only to fully vaccinated fans if they reach the second round of the playoffs. The Knicks announced this morning that Game 5 of their first-round series against Atlanta has already been sold out with 16,000 fans expected on Wednesday. More than 90% of those in attendance for the first two games of the series were fully vaccinated. Fans in fully vaccinated sections are not required to social distance or mask wear masks when seated and those sections were full and loud to the Knicks first two playoff games since 2013 it's moments like this that show us what's possible if everyone gets vaccinated we'll, we'll all be able to get back to doing what we love and that definitely includes being together to cheer on the Knicks at Madison Square Garden MSG Sports Sick. Executive uh. VP David Hopkinson said in a statement and I think Spike Lee's got something to do with it because he's pushing those vaxxers he's at courtside he's the face of the Knicks it's ridiculous, They guys. can't lose by enough either. Trey yeah. Young can score 100 points in the next three games. We can only hope. Yes, indeed. In each game. And that's a wrap in Crazy Town Sports Edition. <laughs> I mean, it's just, that's nuts. I saw a report, by the way, News 12 in Long Island, New York. Oh, which liberal, used to talk be about a liberal station. bought by Altice. Oh. That, there's, <laughs> that Port Washington High School, Port Washington High School, Port Washington School District, will not allow seniors to attend, or any, anyone for that matter, to attend the prom without proof of vaccination. I yeah. smell a lawsuit. There's a lot of lawyers that live in Portland. I mean, that's Port what Washington. has to yes, happen. There is. These, yeah. place, these people, Rich area. and I am not a litigious person at all. Yeah, I don't like either. it. I don't like the fact that we live in a very litigious society. But this is, I am all for these places getting their ass sued as big and broad and as public as they can. Because it's just... It's just repulsive.
All right, live from Studio 6B, <laughs> top of the hour, hour two. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Amorati's going to have more sports. We've got a couple more crazy towns to get to, some more news. And Damon is getting attacked by the Killer Karens. Um, <laughs> Email. Some other articles to get to. Biden plays his greatest hits for the troops. We'll get to that and get to a moment, um, I think, that's in there. I haven't seen this yet. Gio says it's in there. A moment in this uh, his day today that caught some attention, believe it or not. Uh, of course, not from MSNBC or CNN, but caught some attention from um, every place else, places that you'd be watching, like here and other conservative talk, for a moment that you just, I don't know, it's one of those just corn pop shake your head moments that you go, this, is, <laughs> this guy just can't, I mean, just can't help himself. So we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, but right now, it's time for one of my new favorite segments here on the show, and that, of course, is Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? All right, well, thank you, Dame. And, uh, you know, normally when we get to this time, you know, approaching a holiday, I like to do a holiday theme when I do what even is that. But I'm going to change it up a little bit because, well, I've, uh, well, I've noticed something and I'm wondering if it's just me or do you think that they, you know, the powers that be are getting us ready for something? Now, now, now follow me along here. If you're not sure what I'm talking about here, here's what I'm talking about. Okay. Check this out. I mean, seriously. What even is this? Uh, I mean, after decades of denials that all started back in July of 1947 at Mac Brazel's ranch in Roswell, New Mexico, to the famous abductions of Betty and Barney Hill, uh, Travis Walton as well, portrayed in the movie Fire in the Sky about his abduction, shows like Project Blue Book based on the real 17-year study of unidentified flying objects conducted by the U.S. Air Force. Fast forward to the 90s, of course, you get the X-Files with millions upon millions of people watching and saying, hey, I want to believe. Uh, then, you, then, of course, then there's the humongous hit show on the History Channel, Ancient Aliens, which has been a tremendous hit in terms of pushing this stuff into the mainstream. Plus, how could you not love Giorgio? I mean, come on. But seriously, up until now, it's all been poo-pooed, and anyone who believed any of it is real has been mocked as a lunatic or a whack job, right? Uh, Kind of like Giorgio. Um, So again, I ask, why now? I don't know about you, and, and it's something I've said before. It feels like they're getting us ready for something, something, something that potentially could be big. Um, maybe it has to do with the big Pentagon report on UFOs that's coming out a little later next month. Maybe, maybe that can explain why no matter which news channel or uh, even news site you turn to, guess what? Online, where, wherever you're looking, it seems that they're getting ready for us to reveal something big, maybe to be revealed, right? It's almost like they—it's almost like they're prepping us. So when it happens, whatever it turns out to be, we're not totally freaked out by it. Okay. You know, kind of like that show, uh, Extreme Makeover, Home Edition. You know, where, where they do—they drip things out about the house and the whole sob story and what it will mean to the family. You know, all that nonsense throughout the show before they do <laughs> the nonsense. big reveal. Nonsense. I love <laughs> what? that show. What? It's so yeah. sweet. Man, and then this jackass Ty Pennington comes running out. He's looking like a young coked up Bob Barker and yells, move that bus. <laughs> and hey, look, 
Look what he did. He took your crappy house and made it all nice over here. Well, maybe it has to do with that. Maybe, who knows? Look, all I'm saying is that since we're, since they've been jacking us around for decades, right, about this stuff, trying to use the Jedi mind trick that, oh, it must have been a plane that you saw. Or, or maybe it was just a what they call one of those, um, oh, I don't know, it was a weather anomaly. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what it was. Or better yet, hey, this video, that looks like swamp gas. Really? What the freak is swamp gas? Shut up. Stop telling us not to believe our eyes and to believe you, the government, instead. I mean, it seems like we've been doing that for other stuff lately, and it really hasn't worked out well, if you know what I mean. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize. True and international suffer depression. True and international suffer depression. True and international suffer depression. Yeah, okay, 80 million votes, sure. Uh, Whatever this ends up being, I just hope it answers some questions. It gets us closer to answers that we seek, like like why are we all here and what does this all mean? And, And those little green bastards, they owe us that much at least. Oh, and please, for the love of all that is good and holy, when this does happen, do not make it look like this. Former Governor uh, Symington out of Arizona, when he trotted out an, an aide dressed up as an alien back in 1997 to mock everyone who was in a frenzy over the mysterious lights over Phoenix. <sighs> oh, and before I get, have a great uh, Memorial Day. And uh, as they say in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. No, really. 80 million votes. Gotcha. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Trump won. That was in Yankee Stadium. What last night, right? Yeah, yeah it was last, last night. night. Guys got thrown out. <laughs> got thrown, thrown out. out. Yeah. Thrown out. Not, take, banner. not roll up your banner. Not banner. Yeah, couldn't even display the banner. Well, I take great umbrage. It's as funny as that was with that whole piece. <laughs> what, what, what? Because there's nothing. Coped Ty up Bob Barker. That's exactly right. Ty Pennington, <laughs> Ty Pennington is the man. What are you talking about? Ty Pennington is a lunatic. Yeah. He, they he's do nice nuts. things on that show. What's I mean, going he, on here? He's a good lunatic, but he's kind of crazy. Come on, look at him. He's fantastic, and that show was fantastic. I love that show. Yeah, me too, Paul. <laughs> you guys are sad. Just a hater. You but guys that are was funny. That was good. That was, good. That was definitely a coke. A coke that Bob Barker. Was <laughs> I was wondering when it was going to get funny. It got funny. <laughs> Shut up, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Amirati. Oh, shots fired. Amirati's getting a little loose on the show tonight here. So, <laughs> all right. Great. Well, speaking of Biden, G, since we got a couple more to get to here, Biden plays his greatest hits for the troops. Crazy Town, roll it. Okay, here we go. And I said, I actually get to shake the president's hand. I win, don't you agree? (laughs) Thank you. How about a hug? How about a hug? Of course. Have to touch the kid. Yep, keep the kids away from you. Get comfortable. You know, there's a famous English poet who said, they also serve who only stand and wait. Also serve only stand and wait. (laughs) It's all about as joint as it can possibly get. Remember going into Baghdad, remember, and those of you who had to fly in, you'd do those circular deals so we wouldn't get shot at, (laughs) we wouldn't get hit. And you never gave up until we delivered justice Osama bin Laden. 
I got criticized after 9-11 for saying we'll follow the son of a bitch's gun to the gates of hell till we get him. So inspiring. You know, I sometimes get criticized for saying what I deeply believe, having done this for the bulk of my life. We're in a, we're in a battle. I've spent more time with President Xi of China than any world leader has for 24 hours of private meetings with him. We're just an interpreter, 17,000 miles traveling in China and here. He firmly believes that China, before the year 3035, is going to own America. 30, 30, 30, 35. Because autocracies can make quick decisions. That's why you joined up, why you run around danger and duty calls. You are the spine of America. The spine. spine. No one can defeat us except us. After I announced my decision to end the war in Afghanistan, the first thing I did was visit, visit Section 60 of Arlington National Cemetery. I know how proud Langley is of the premier fifth-generation F-22 Raptor wing. Oh, God, I'd love to go up in one of those. Oh, my God. I asked, I'm your commander-in-chief. Why the hell can't I command you? Let me go up in I, You know, they won't let me do that. I love those barrettes in her hair, man. I tell you what, and look at her. She looks like she's 19 years old, sitting there with her, like a little lady in a race car. We're the she's only nation organized based on an idea. Every other nation you can define by their ethnicity, their geography, their religion. We hold these truths to be self-evident. But all men and women are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, including life, liberty, etc. None of you get your rights from your government. You get your rights merely because you're a child of God. The government is there to protect those God-given rights. so dumb. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Can he stick the landing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So close. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again. Can we go back to that? Oh man. Gee, go back to that. Like go back to that. Here like we go again. Yeah. Most Let's hear it. Yeah. Let's hear it. I might have a new. I might have a new T-shirt here. This is one more time here. One. We hold these truths to be self-evident. But all men and women are created equal, endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, including life, liberty, etc. None of you. Life, liberty. Uh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the most votes ever. Oh, campaigning from his basement. When in doubt, wow. yeah. Lost Scream every Bellwether County. Yeah. Most votes ever. Scream and say, etc. <laughs> oh, he gets all serious. He was like, I'm so, so psyched up. I'm going to do this. Oh, et cetera. Wow. You know, I, lo I looked it up. It doesn't say that.
I was going to, you know, I was just about to say, I don't think he was even that close that time. I can't believe he got the word out inalienable. I was surprised that that impressed me. No doubt, because he has and then he followed it up with an etc. <laughs> I don't even think that was invented yet. Why are we la- why why are we laughing? Because we have to. Because it's I so scary. The same feeling we don't want to cry. Night. Yeah, exactly. Or else we'd be crying. Well, soon laughter will be illegal here in uh, the Gulag of America. I mean, he is not an inspiring. Inspiring. Uh, <laughs> <a> commander in chief. <laughs> I mean, he's not an inspiring orator. (laughs) I mean, could you imagine sitting there and thinking this guy's... uh, I mean, the Ferris Bueller's teacher was more inspiring. Charlie Brown's teacher was more inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I looked it up. Constitution of the United States, there is no etc. In it. Yep. Well, that was the declaration he was saying, right? Oh. Okay. We'll get back to you, I Joe. Think, I think it's catching. Yeah. yeah, we'll get back to you, Joe. Oh, man. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Uh, Rick Hemorati's going to do more sports. Rick Delgado's here. Just did What Even Is That? Geo Fran holding it down as always. But let's do some more news here with Paul Nolan. Uh, we looked up the, obviously, um, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, in created, um, all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that are uh, that amongst these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, of course. So Joe got all the way, almost, and just added the et cetera there. Now, so. now isn't he using a teleprompter as well? Uh, well, he has teleprompter set up. I don't know if that part of this, you know, he may have been off script. <laughs> so, <laughs> or did know. they just say, you know what, it's getting too long, just put et cetera. He'll be good with that. Okay. I, I can't imagine they would uh, go down, given... The last time he tried this, that they would let him go anywhere near that and not have it word for word. But I don't know. I guess not. So, uh, all right. What else is going on in the news, Paul? Look at a happy story. A body cam captures a deputy lifting overturned car of a single, single-handedly saving a trapped woman's life. Um, Officer Holt was assisting a Virginia State Police uh, in a suspected DUI incident on May 7th en route to the hospital when he witnessed a car spin. I was on the scene, he told the local news channel. I observed the vehicle upside down with one of the juvenile occupants outside. In body cam footage, Holt is seen running to the car following the youth's cry that his mother was trapped inside, first freeing another smaller child from inside the car. Holt heeded his screams he then said, she, I, she said, I can't breathe. And at that point, her head was pinned underneath the vehicle. The deputy's body cam then shows 
It gets a little obscure, but the audio tells the whole story. Unassisted, Holt wedged his shoulder into the door frame of the upturned car and then braced. He said to himself, all I have to do is stand up, and that's all I kept telling myself. Surprisingly, it worked. Holt managed to create enough clearance for the woman to free herself and stop breathing again. She was taken to the hospital for medical assessment. Now, this um, this uh, officer also um, you know, he got a lot of praise for this. He said he didn't want any of it. But in March, uh, I'm sorry, somewhere in here says uh, he had also uh, served in, the, in Iraq in the Virginia Army National Guard, where he pulled two people from a burning building, saving their lives. He received both local and regional top cop awards from the Greater Hampton Roads Regional Crime Line for his bravery, bravery as well uh, for this incident. So this guy is an absolute patriot and uh, just a great guy. And, you know, I'm. Think about how many of these stories happen all over this country every day with police officers pull over <laughs> or or just driving and see something. Or you, You've seen some of these videos of a pregnant woman who can't make. I mean, there's so many of these stories that don't make the news of officers who either save lives or help people or I mean, all somebody choking. You see, I mean, there's so many situations that these officers find themselves in. And um you don't hear about probably 95% of them never make the news, never get any attention. They don't want the attention. They just go about their day and serve the public. And yet uh, what you do see per- portrayed on the media is to fund the police because they've, you know, we need more social workers and stuff to do this yeah. stuff. It's all disgusting, especially when you, when you see some of the things that they do, they run towards the danger. You know, they're running towards it while people are while they're trying to get people clear of it. Uh, I remember, I think, a video we played last year where, where one officer, the lady was running with her baby that couldn't breathe. She pulled over because she saw the cop there and the cop just took the and it was a young baby, maybe a few months old. And he started performing CPR, saved the baby. We saw the woman cop in uh, New York City, just New York recently. City, New yeah. York, Times Square, running, running with, with the, the baby with the bullet in the leg. Yep. You know how many interactions there are between officers and, and, and people in situations that don't either happen right there in the moment, spur of the moment, they happen to drive up on it or, or see it or something happens right in front of them. When you think of all the police officers and all the things that go on in this country on a daily basis, all the interactions, not everything and a police officer does in their day, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, but, um, you know, probably comes through the, um, comes through these, uh, through CB and says, oh, you go, I mean, a lot of things I'll bet happen right in front of them or things they see or things they come across or, Somebody flags them down, God forbid, and says, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's just, but you never, you never hear any of it. You never hear about any of it. So it's good to report on a story like that, Paul. Yeah, well, you know, I have a little, this is, you know, more interesting news here. U.S. Attorney uh, John Doran reportedly spent $1.5 million in the first six months when he was conducting his probe into the origins of the FBI's investigation into Trump-Russia conspiracy theory. Relatively small figure by Washington standards, yeah. and likely further evidence for conservatives who believe. Lunch. Yeah, and no doubt. You wonder why nothing's getting done. Yeah, and you know, it was completely underpowered and lackluster. The amount is allegedly less than 25% of what former FBI Director Robert Mueller spent during his special counsel investigation into unproven allegations of collusions between Donald Trump and Russia, according to the Washington Times. Uh, Tom Fitton, the president of the conservative watchdog uh, group Judicial Watch, told the publication that the figure demonstrates what I think observers have already concluded. The investigation is low energy, and he's disinterested in getting into the bottom of the worst government corruption scandal in government history. 
So, well, that would be a shame if that's true because we've had John Solomon on the show how many times and asked <laughs> yeah. him about it, and not that not that it's his his deal, but he says his source has told him it's an active investigation, and well, maybe we can have Mr. Solomon on to see follow up on that, but I I don't know. It certainly doesn't seem that way. It does not seem like an active investigation. It's after all this time, and um, now we find out he spent. $1.5 million which is a lot of money, but not when it comes to, I mean, no. Mueller spent that before they even probably lifted the first pen to write the first letter. But look at the first piece of it, whatever. That's nothing. Nothing. All right, well, what else? Senate Republicans blocked legislation to create the January 6th commission. Yeah. Uh, on Friday, blocked advancing House passed bill that would form a 9-11 style commission to investigate the January 6th Capitol breach. The senators voted 54-35 on the measure, falling short of the 60-vote threshold to avoid a filibuster. Um, of course, Romney, uh, Sassy, Oh, I was just going to play a game. Uh, see, I was just going to play. I didn't know you had the names. I was just going to play a game and ask you guys if you wanted to try to guess the six Republicans who uh, crossed party lines and voted with the Democrats. But wow, Paul, they had six, huh? Yeah, and, and you, could, you could guess. You could you could pick them out of a lineup. You know what? To me, I, I, the, the, again, well, the old line. What it, it's like asking God to investigate the Genovese crime family. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. Collins from Maine, Romney from Utah, Cassidy, Louisiana, Sass, Nebraska, Murkowski, Alaska, and Portman, who's retiring from Ohio. Those are your six rhinos who voted for this and, and was, still wasn't enough to get it done, thankfully. Tim and, of Con- course, the left's losing their mind. Oh, my God, the Republicans, they don't want to get to the truth. You know what the truth is? You see, all, like, there's all those stories about Antifa people coming forward saying that they were dressed as MAGA and uh, they, they, they were inciting people to charge in. I mean, it's just all these stories, all these people coming out saying it, but we're going to get to the truth. I mean, these morons who went lobbying in there like they were on a on a tour following. It's just so it's, it's just not only, not only it's that, stupid. you see more more videos of, of police officers walking people in <laughs> saying, hey, we're on your side here. Just cool. You know, just just follow us along. Uh, don't do anything bad and we're good. Hey, and we, just kind of escorting them in. Didn't we load a video? Do we still have that? G? I don't think we ever yeah, played the, that video. But they were like showing we, me. Yeah, look and see if you still have that because I don't think we ever got to it. We have a video of from inside the Capitol building with the Capitol Police there. You have it? Yeah, fire that up. Watch this. The police here are willing to work with us and cooperate peacefully like our First Amendment allows. Gather more Americans under the condition that they will come and gather peacefully to discuss what needs to be done to save our country. This must be peaceful. This has to be peaceful. We have the right to peacefully assemble. That's from inside the uh, Capitol with yeah. the Capitol Police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, they hope like they look like theater. Sure.
right, 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B, Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Time to do sports, and here with that is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, wrapping up a Friday night, great Game 7, NHL playoff series tied 3-3, Wild and Golden Knights, 1-1 after 1. They're in intermission. This is a winner go home. The winner gets a date with the Avalanche on Sunday, and the loser gets a tee time in golf Sunday morning. So that's a great game if you get a chance to tune into that. NBA action. It's all over in Atlanta. The Knicks fall to the Hawks, 105-94. Derrick Rose with 30 points to lead all scorers for the Knicks in a losing effort. The Hawks now go up two games to one with game four to be played on Sunday. Looks like we won't have to worry about that vaccination schedule at the Old Garden for round two. Maybe not. (laughs) We'll see. And uh, in Boston, the TD Garden, the Celtics, they know they need to win because they're down 2-0. And when you go down 3-0, the probability is nil in the NBA to come back. And they're up 61-57. Jason Tatum leads all scorers for Boston with 21. Harden and Durant have 17 each for Brooklyn. They are right now at the half. Clippers take on the Dallas Mavericks. L.A. Clippers need to get going. They're also down 2-0 on the road at 9.30, and they're going to be looking for a win tonight to stay alive. And Major League Baseball, 5-2 Red Sox over the Marlins. That's in a rain delay in the sixth, so they don't look like they're going to get that started again. Maybe they'll reconvene tomorrow. Blue Jays right now 9-2 over the innings, top of the sixth, over the Indians, top six. Yankees and Tigers 1-1, top of the eighth. Royals over the Twins, 3-1, bottom of the fifth. Another game, Orioles and White Sox, rain check. That game is canceled. They'll be played tomorrow, hopefully. And Padres right now trail the Astros 2-1 in the bottom of the fourth. We have the uh, Angels visiting the Athletics, Cardinals, Diamondbacks, Giants, Dodgers, Rangers, Mariners, all West Coast Warriors, all tipping off shortly. Uh, round two has wrapped up uh, very late in Texas. Um, this is at Fort Worth, Texas, the Colonial Country Club, Big D. Jordan Spieth for the second day leads everyone. He's ahead of Jason Kokrak by one stroke. Um, he had a 66 today. He's 11 under two day. And uh, behind um, him and Kokrak is Sebastian Munoz and uh, Sergio Garcia. They're three strokes behind heading into the weekend. We'll have a full report on Monday on that, uh, on the open. So now Friday night, Let's go to the rodeo. Will Rogers Stampede this weekend. Claremore, Oklahoma at the Claremore Stampede Arena. Just a few of the events underway. Round one, steer roping. Roger Branch in 10.2 seconds. Picked up $1,500. And bow racing, good one. Sadie Wolliver over Randy Holiday. Uh, uh, Sadie came in at 17.40 and Randy at 17.45. Good scores for the girls. And uh, we have the Cave Creek Rodeo Days in Cave Creek, Arizona. I wonder if Brian Stamas is going to go get to that one. At the Cave Creek Memorial Arena, round one underway. Bow racing is the only thing I have a report on. And that's Lynette Clyde in 16.16 seconds for the rodeo. We'll have a full slick rick. Rodeo recap Monday. Well, Tuesday we'll have to have that because Monday yeah. night we won't be here. Big We're not team. here Monday. That's right. We'll have the same show probably Monday. Uh, sports. At the end of that last segment, we might not be back for good. <laughs> Hey, let's stick with sports and keep it positive, Mr. Nolan. <laughs> Sportsbook sets TD prop of two and a half for Jacksonville Jags. Tight end Tim Tebow with early money on under. This is from David Purdom of the ESPN staff writer. You know we're following our man Tim Tebow all the way. It's the hottest NFL 
player prop bet in Vegas over under two and a half touchdowns this season for Tim Tebow. Last week, after the former Heisen Trophy winner signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end, Station Casinos in Las Vegas, you know, big casino, uh, put the Tebow touchdown prop on the board and took instant action, including a $2,000 limit bet on the under. Station Sportbook has an over-under prop on passing touchdowns for new L.A. Rams math, uh, quarterback Matthew Stafford since late March. In just one week, the amount wagered on the Tebow prop had already eclipsed the handle on the Stafford prop. Uh, the interest has absolutely exceeded my expectations, Station Casino Sportsbook director Chuck Esposito told ESPN. As of Thursday, the overall bets on the Tebow prop were split equally on the over-under, but according to Esposito, about five times as much money has been wagered on the under. The price to bet the the under, which opened at uh, minus 125, is now minus 165. Tebow must play in the Jaguars' week one game against the Houston Texans, or all bets on the prop are refunded. Only rushing and receiving touchdowns are included, which could be an important stipulation because they may do a couple of those options where he throws a few TD passes. So, two and a half TDs, what do you guys think for Tim Tebow? No. No, Paul. I mean, how do we know? How do we know he's going to even make the? (laughs) Well, they said that has to be. (laughs) He has to play week one, and that's part of the bet. But I'm just saying. So you're going to give the bank your money, let it sit there, and do nothing until. September 14th? Well, you could buy Bitcoin and watch it go red. I mean, whatever you want to do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Another attack. Another unprovoked attack from Amorati tonight. Uh, What's in his coffee cup? It's Friday night, Big D. I got Amorati with that thing, the Paisano with that. Is that a slick Rick we should call him? Here's what I know for sure. If I I took the over and then you talked about it, I can guarantee I might as well take the 2000 and burn it. How about that? Yeah, you're right about that, Big D. You won't want me handicapping your games. And don't forget, Sunday, we have the Coca-Cola 600, guys. Charlotte Motor Speedway, Concord, North Carolina, 400 laps, 600 miles. Catch the race on Fox. Uh, Marcus Danito of NASCAR.com reports. It's all about Hendrick Motorsports and Joe Gibbs Racing as the NASCAR Cup Series stops at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Coca-Cola 600 as drivers from those garages occupy the top five spots on the odds board before a significant drop to the tier of betting entries. So, you know, you got Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kyle Lawson, Chase Elliott, they'll all be there. Likely one of them will pull it out. And we also have the Tennis French Open for our tennis fans. We have a few at LFS6B. Uh, That kicks off on Sunday in Paris, France. We'll have a report on that. The men's start up on Monday. Um, And, uh, you know, I have something about Olympians, uh, Yahoo Sports, must waver assuming COVID-19 risk to complete Tokyo Games. Just to paraphrase, right now the Tokyo Games are uh, requiring all the athletes to sign a COVID-19 waiver that if they get sick or catch COVID, contract COVID at the Olympics, that I guess the the Olympic Committee will not be liable. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about that. Tokyo Olympics in July. uh, We'll report on uh, what exactly happens. Some of the athletes are already talking about, what are you going to do to me if I don't don't sign off? Mm. So, anyway, Big D, that's a wrap in sports. Happy Memorial Day to all our patriots and all our veterans. Okay, thanks, Rick. Uh, What else is going on? Anything else in news, Paul, you want to hit? Another, you know, just one more quick feel-good story. Uh, Houston uh, rescuing sex trafficking victims. It's worth it if we could save one life. Um, Lieutenant Michael Landrum of Texas Montgomery uh, County's uh, Sheriff's Office is trying to make a difference. Uh, He heads up the county's Narcotic Vice and Human Trafficking Unit, and it's also part of the Houston Human-Based Trafficking Rescue Alliance. They say it's a huge epidemic in places like Houston and uh, and Ohio. so uh, 
I just figured I'd throw it out there that he's doing a great job and he continues to make arrests. So just wanted to throw it out there in case you needed a quick story. Uh, gee, do we have time for the last crazy town here? 54 seconds. We sure do. Uh, Kamala Harris, who that she's, uh, what does she do by the way? Oh yeah. She's the vice president. That's right. She, uh, makes the case for solar power combat today. Let's see this. Fire it up. You are electrical engineers who will soon help convert solar and wind energy into power. Convert solar and wind energy into combat power. And just ask any Marine today, would she rather carry 20 pounds of batteries or a rolled up solar panel? And I am positive she will tell you a solar panel. And so would he. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, she's so creepy. What did she say? I, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hear a word of that. Batteries? The, the, solar that panel? went right over my head, I, as I'm assuming it. Boy, the, the armed services today having to hear from the two of these two schleps. I mean, it's just what a day. When she said solar combat power, I just pictured them handing out big magnifying glasses to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, Fran. Thanks to the guys on the show. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6P audience. Remember, no show on Monday night. We'll see you Tuesday, 8 p.m for a new live from Studio 6B. Have a happy Memorial Day, everybody. Let's remember everybody who gave the ultimate sacrifice for this great country. We'll see you Tuesday night.